0: Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast from All Baptist Church. I'm Travis, and of course, we're here today with the normal Ethan Jago, as he go. now wants to be called, <laughs> to discuss and answer difficult questions that college students and young professionals face concerning their faith, theology, apologetics, and their implications on the Christian life. Ethan, how you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing, doing well. And I like the new title change there. That's, I, I feel a bit better about that. I'm not legendary by any stretch of the means. So.
0: Well, we'll still call you legendary <laughs> behind closed doors here. Uh, are you ready to get into our, our question for the day? Let's do it. I'm anxious to hear what we got on the agenda. All right. Question about equally versus unequally yoked. We talk about eggs right? We're talking about uh, (laughs) eggs scrambled, (laughs) fried, over easy, maybe turned into some sort of Benedict of some kind. Uh, No, we're actually talking about uh, relationships between people. If a guy and a girl believe the same gospel, but the girl believes other things about the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit is revealed and that gifts are a sign that you have the Holy Spirit in you and the couple believes differently about those things, is that being unequally yoked? So I guess we're talking kind of here about certain doctrines concerning mm. the Holy Spirit. Uh, is it okay to differ on doctrines in a relationship? So that's a really
1: good question. I Out of this, I actually see two different questions coming out. Uh, is one, what does it mean to be unequally yoked? And then two, on what doctrines do you, how do I say this, do you just kind of stop? Mm-hmm. Right? Do you just stop the relationship? So Where's let's your unpack, line
0: at? Where's your, where's yeah. your, where do you draw that line?
1: Yeah. Where's your line in the sand? And we all have, at least we should, have that line in the sand of like, okay, this and this and this is okay, but I'm not going to compromise on this. So let's unpack the first answer or the first question that I, I hear in this is, what is being unequally yoked? So I'm going to be, let's turn to, I'll be, I'm going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 real quick. And I'm going to look at verse 14, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. This is the Apostle Paul writing. And he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? or what fellowship has light with darkness. Now let's look at one more verse too, and then we're going to unpack what this means real quick. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. 5, 9 through 13 of 1 Corinthians. I wrote to you in my letter not to be associate with sexually immoral people. Not all the meaning of sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or as an idolater, reveler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So what I see here that the Apostle Paul is kind of telling us and uh, warning us about is that Christians should not be bound together in a relationship with an unbeliever. A person who does not actively believe in Christ or does not actively have a relationship with Christ. And I believe that is a very uh, large distinction that we need to make. Just because I say I believe in Christ does not mean I actually have a relationship with him. And what Paul's telling us is that we are not supposed to have a relationship. In the case of this question of this individual, I'm not supposed to be dating somebody or marrying, even marrying somebody who is not a believer. Well, the next question is, well, why? Well, let's think about this. is What partnership, and this is in 2 Corinthians 6, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? The Christian is now a righteous individual, not because of its own merit, because of the imputed righteousness of Christ with the actions that he did on the cross. And, well, okay, so the Christian is now righteous. A nonbeliever, from what the Bible says, is lawless, uh, is in straight-up rebellion against God, is Stumbling block for the Jew, folly for the Gentile, and is not caring about the things of the Lord. So we have one individual who cares deeply about the things of Christ. And you have another individual who really doesn't care. How can they work together? How can they even have the same common goal? And how can they be going the same direction? A lot of my friends, when I was in the military, uh, when I would see uh, them convert into Christians, I would see the relationship of the marriage be very harsh. Uh, because now the wife or whichever way it was doesn't want to go to church doesn't want to raise the kids and that's really where it's going to like how are you going to raise your kids how are you going to structure your life what are your moral values for how you conduct yourself the christian has the bible the non-christian i don't know what they have their conscience and we all know that that can get messed up so the apostle paul is warning us to not be in a relationship with someone who is not a christian that's dating that's marriage now, friends, that's different. Like, yes, I can have a friendship, an acquaintance with a non-believer. I'm not saying that. I have many friends, good close friends that are non-believers, and I'm not saying we don't need to associate ourselves with them. But when you start getting into more of an intimate relationship, specifically marriage and dating, and I would even say, and I believe the Apostle Paul would too, and we can look at other verses, even a business relationship, some form of a spiritual enterprise in which. Uh, my spiritual walk in life is potentially being dictated by the person which i am spending a lot of my time with Uh, i believe that's what we've got to be cautious of because anything in any association i have could potentially destroy my testimony to others and also potentially sway me in a different direction does that that that, make
0: sense yeah and that kind of all comes back to to our very first podcast where we talked about you know that 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 personal relationship and feeling out, you know, whether somebody does have those strong, Mm. non-negotiable foundations in who Christ is, in who scripture is. Uh, You know, when you talk about, I see a lot of, of language here that's like unbelievers. It's not okay to be yoked with unbelievers. And coming back to the concept of being yoked, you know, what does that mean to be yoked? Where does that whole concept come from? So
1: yeah so that that's basically being tied to connected with um uh, a good verse or not a good verse but a good way to think about that is being bound together uh is literally what the translation is is being bound together uh in unison so think of like a three-legged race right when you would tie your legs together and you'd have to run that race together if i'm saying hey this is our end goal and i'm pointing forward and my legs are tied to this person and this other person's like no The end goal is to the right. I'm trying to move forward, and he's trying to move to the right. How on earth is that going to—we're never going to be able to make it to there. And that's what it is, is being bound together with someone who's not going on the same trajectory as you. Uh, Now, someone may even say, no, no, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'll go to church. I'll do that. But then the fruits of the Spirit should be evident in their life. We should start seeing growth. We should start seeing fruit. And Paul talks about that, um, is we've got to be careful who we are tying ourselves with. Uh, professionally, personally, and spiritually in that regard. And another verse that I want to quickly read here is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 through 9. And Paul, again, this is the Apostle Paul. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you and ourselves an example to imitate. So what we see here, too, is Paul's even warning us in another aspect of being associated with apathetic Christians or people who associate themselves as Christian, but now they're being idle. If a person is truly a regenerate believer, they're going to be striving and seeking after the things of the Lord. They're trying to be holy as he is holy, as we have been called to do. But if we start seeing that, and I know we've all seen it. I know I've seen this all the time, too. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but, well, what are you reading? Eh, I don't really read the Bible. Well, why are you coming to church? Eh, I don't want to go to church, especially with COVID. I mean, people have every excuse to stay home now. And Paul's warning us, hey, do not be associating yourself even with idle people. Yeah, People who are not, you know, progressing in the faith. Because let's use that same illustration of the three-legged race. I'm trying to get to this end goal. My partner on the other end, I just want to take a seat here and just relax. Again, I'm not able to go the path in the direction that God is calling and pushing me towards if I'm associating myself and I'm tying myself with someone who's an idle body. Now, I believe if they are truly a regenerate Christian, we can pray, we can help, we can come alongside to motivate them and stir them up for good works. I mean, the Bible tells us about that. So I believe that is a great kind of way in understanding what does it mean to be yoked, tied through, and then how i guess where and how to apply this across the board so in the instance of this question though for what this individual asked um that is what being unequally yoked is i think it's important and imperative for us to answer that question first before i answer the other question about the doctrines that divide is this person actually a believer because there's been times i've argued with individuals about doctrine only to find out that they're agnostic like, well, why am I arguing with, you know, the doctrine of salvation with you if you can't even accept that Jesus Christ was an actual human being in God? You know, he was a the hypostatic. He was Christ's uh, in one—man, I just lost my train of thought here—that <laughs> Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. There mm-hmm. we go. My mind was going one way. I was talking about The duality myself, of—, yeah, of yeah. The dichotomy in that he was God and man. If, if, if they can't even admit that and believe that, then— why am I trying to
0: argue doctrine with them? It's like there's a whole another conversation that needs to take place oh, before yeah. you can even get there.
1: Yeah, because they're presupposing this question is potentially presupposing that this individual is a believer, and maybe they are. Yeah, and maybe they are. So let's answer that next question, which was, what the doctrine? Yeah, where do you where do you draw the line?
0: And it's funny, like you know, even scripturally, using the idea of of the ox, you don't want to pair a stronger ox with a weaker ox, or or a taller ox with a shorter ox because they just wind up the whole point of putting the ox to the cart and or the plow is to go in a straight line. Yeah. So you you have speed, direction, you're going from one end of the field to the other, you're drawing a straight line, but when you unevenly yoke, you just go around in circles. You never grow. So you're never mm-hmm. going in a direction, you're never proceeding further in your faith. So, yeah, as we get into this next part, like where do you draw that line doctrinally where you know like I can grow together with this person? Uh, as we get into the concept of marriage and and other conversations that need to happen there like how do you determine those things
1: yeah, i mean that's a great question i think it's going to be differing for everybody but what i tend to i guess kind of draw the line in the sand for me is it a salvatory issue um, would this potentially be hindering uh or you know kind of nixing if you will a person's relationship with christ or how they came about that relationship if someone's like yeah you know i believe in christ plus then i would be like okay no yes uh, that's yeah, where i'm drawing exactly, line." No. now you get to some of these secondary issues i mean my wife and i haven't seen eye to eye in certain aspects but then we have worked through things uh, and you know for instance in this one uh the holy spirit i would honestly want more of a clarification of exactly what they mean into like the gifts and everything else now are they asking that, for instance, let me just assume here that they're saying that they think the spiritual gifts are active, like speaking in tongues, healing, this, 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 and this. Well, as every good Baptist knows, right? Like that's, that's not historically what Baptists believe. We do not believe that the gifts are continuing. And that, that could kind of vary from pastor to pastor to everyone else. But I don't think that's something that I would be willing to be like, no, we're unequally yoked because you believe in speaking in tongues and I don't. Yep. I would disagree with your interpretation. You may disagree with my interpretation, but I don't believe that that is something where we should be like, no. Now, I will say this, though. If you think that you need to have the gift of speaking in tongues.
0: In order to be saved. Ex- you see where I'm going with this. That's where you draw. There's yeah. a line And so
1: it, it kind of, it's gray in certain instances. And so clarification, I think, is what I would need to know. Is to what end are you taking this logic to? And is there a reason, do you have to have this? Because I know some people have said you've, you haven't you haven't received the Holy Spirit until you've spoken in tongues. We do not see that at all. The only time that we see that, we, we see a few Pentecosts happening in the book of Acts. But we also see that that was serving a specific purpose and function. right? So if I'm saying that I now have to have, well, let's just say two baptisms. right? Baptism of salvation and baptism of the Holy Spirit. My perfect model that I always like to go back to is how many times did Jesus get baptized? Once. One time. So if I'm modeling baptism off of Christ and he got baptized once, I'm only getting baptized once. Now, the question could ask, and we're really getting into a whole other kind of question and answer time here, is, well, in the Bible, in Acts, we see that they came and baptized him in the Holy Spirit. Well, most scholars, especially uh, historical, in my theological stance, believe that the reason why the apostles had to come and baptize them into the holy spirit to receive the holy spirit was for their authentication it was to give them the credibility that they are in fact uh, the disciples and apostles of christ jesus to give them the authority to go in there so that they these people would listen because think about it if you had a a fisherman come up to you and be like hey I'm, i'm preaching this new religion of jesus christ i'd be like what are you talking about dude i just saw you out there skinning some fish and now you're trying to tell me about this jesus guy and then now all of a sudden you perform a miraculous miracle and you're speaking in tongues and now if you think about it too the words tongues if you look in the greek of this is it's typically associated with a known language yes it's not the gibberish stuff that we tend to see these days it's a known understandable language and in acts chapter 2 when you see pentecost the, the scriptures dictate and say that they were all speaking in the different this different religion, excuse me
0: languages that they never knew. And even specific to that event, you have this festival happening, yeah. you know, in the in the heart of Jerusalem where you have people from all other nations gathered. That instance makes so much sense why they were speaking in tongues.
1: Absolutely. And you know, could they happen? I'm never going to put a limit on the Holy Spirit, but would that be something that I'd draw the line in the sand and be like, "Hey, we're done." You believe in tongues, or you believe in the Holy Spirit working in a different way. I don't. Again, I would have to probe a little bit to see if I need the Holy Spirit to work with me in that regard for this. But the way that we see the Holy Spirit play in the process of salvation is the Holy Spirit is the the conduit of regeneration in the in the heart of the believer to respond to the calling of Christ in the gospel message.
0: And and even myself, I I, I was saved in a church who believed in in tongues and the Holy Spirit being received that way. Oh, wow. And so even the variation, though, within that church of people who one, believe that it, the gifts of the Spirit were evident in the life of a believer through that type of stuff versus people who believe that in order to show that you've been, you have received the Holy Spirit you had to speak in tongues. The variation there in beliefs, though, from person to person was just wild. Yeah. So it really does come down to individual, like the individual's doctrines what they hold on to what yeah. they deem to believe and be truthful. I, I feel like
1: I think we may even need to do another podcast just like looking at the biblical references for the miraculous gifts because I, I believe in modern day there's no bigger miracle than the transformation in an individual's life on who they were absolutely prior to Christ and who they are after. I mean you want to talk about a miraculous miracle it's that yeah like especially in my own life how I was prior to Christ, than who I am now. And then I look back, and I'm sure you're the same way. You look back and you're like, man, I was a knucklehead. Oh, yeah. Like, what, what was oh, I yeah. doing back then? If God idiot. can save me <laughs> and God can save some of my friends, then that's pretty big. Yeah, you know?
0: totally. Totally. Absolutely. So, but
1: I think I think we answered that question is what is being unequally yoked? And then up to what point do you draw the line in doctrine? And I would say it's a salvatory issue. If, if the doctrine is dividing on... getting saved and accepting Christ, then that's probably a doctrine I would kind of put the line in the sand and be like, okay, no. Because if they believe in something other than Christ alone and not faith plus, if they believe in something else, then in my opinion, you are already in an unequally yoked position. Therefore we're getting the cart before the horse here. Now I'm not worried about doctrine. I'm worried I need to go back to the first portion of this question. I need to worry about, am I unequally yoked?
0: Yeah. And then relationship after that, like after you start dating somebody, there will be, you know, questions like, how do you raise your children together? What are you going to teach them? Uh, What church are you going to go to even? That's Um, huge. Yeah, those are huge. And that's why it's so important to have that long relationship kind of feeling so you can feel those things out or to be friends for a long time before you start dating.
1: Well, I mean, I look back at, uh, a girl that I had dated that was not a Christian, that was not a Catholic, that was an Eastern religion. And I look back on that and I remember, again, this was before I was a believer. I had thought I was a believer. I saw no problem with that. And I remember yeah. my parents were like, Ethan, you can't be dating this girl. I'm like, why? Exactly what you said. Well, how are you going to raise your kids? I'm like, oh, we'll go to church. Well, no, if she's this, how how is that even going to work? didn't really make sense to me at the time. I was a senior in high school. I'm like, whatever, I've got plenty of time to figure it out. But life happens quick. And the next oh, thing yeah. you know, you're in you're in marriage for six years and you realize, oh, shoot, I never had these conversations yeah. uh, with my spouse. Oh, I'm unequally yoked, especially if I am now a believer. You know, so it definitely opens up a, a can of worms if you're not careful in addressing this head on. And I know it's tough for a lot of us uh, at, in, when you're in that relationship and the spirit reveals to you hey, you're probably unequally yoked is it's tough to step out in obedience and say, you know what, God, I'm going to obey you. And we just shared with you three verses. There's many more about how you're called not to be in a relationship with someone who's not a Christian. That's tough to to step out in that kind of obedience and be like, all right, I'm going to obey you, God, and then potentially have a heartbreak. It doesn't make it easy.
0: No, definitely not.
1: But we're definitely commanded to do that.
0: Yep. Very cool. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Crossroads is the premier college and young professional ministry in the city of Pensacola. And you can find out more at olivebaptist.org slash college. You can also DM your questions to the Crossroads Instagram at Crossroads at Olive. We hope to see you there and see you for the next episode on the Crossroads Podcast.